Welcome to Planet Mainstage, music without borders. My name is John Prentice. Thanks for tuning in.
gone Oh, when I'm gone to come, no Friends, I know you're gonna miss me When I'm gone Oh, when I'm gone Oh, when I'm gone to come, no Welcome to Planet Mainstage. You're going to miss me when I'm gone. Elizabeth Cotton, who played the Winnipeg Folk Festival in the first decade. Certainly an appropriate opening song for this week's show. We're going to once again talk about and celebrate the life of Mitch Podolik, who passed away one year ago this week. I have the great pleasure of having Leonard Podolik, his son, to turn our hearts to his memory with some talk and music we did the Zoom interview last Wednesday, August the 26th. Leonard, how are you? It's been a sharp turn for you this year. Good. How are you, how are you John? It, it's nice to speak, speak with you. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely been a, uh, a, a, that would be a great way of putting it. You know, I, I wasn't, we weren't expecting um, my dad to pass away last year. Uh, and and it, it, it definitely uh, rocked the boat in our family a lot. And, um, yeah, he's definitely, it's, it has been a real amazing experience and a pleasure to, to, to see how much gratitude there is in the community for the work that he's done, you know, cause he sure loved, you know, everybody that made up the folk music community. Um, you know, the festival directors and the, the artists, especially, um, but you know, he was grateful to everybody that, that made everything happen. And especially just the folks from the community, the volunteers that, you know, got behind the visions and, and, you know, made them a part of their summer experience and, you know, gave up their time off to, to lift up these events and these endeavors. And so that was definitely a, a big deal to him. And so seeing it come back from all facets of the community after he passed away was, was, was beautiful. You have aptly stepped into the shoes of your last work and passion as director of Home Roots and Shemen Chenu. And we'll get into that a little bit, but just in case some listeners in this community still do not know Mitch, tell us a brief, maybe opening line or two of who he was and what he is known for. Yeah. Um, for folks who don't know, uh, my dad, Mitch Podolik, uh, founded the, the Winnipeg Folk Festival in 1974 when he was 25 years old. And uh, in, in 1987, when he was 40, he started a place called the West End Cultural Center. But, but actually, before that, in 1982, uh, him and, and Bill Merritt who was the general manager of the Winnipeg Folk Festival, the uh, Osland, and they started the, the Winnipeg International Children's Festival. And so, so there's the Winnipeg Folk Festival, the Children's Festival, 
the Western Cultural Center, uh, which are three endeavors that he, you know, were lasting. There's all kinds of other one-year kind of projects, but um, those are the three lasting and flourishing organizations that he that he's known really known for. But but in 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 2007, founded Home Roots Shemeshe New with with my ma, Eva Kobrinsky, and also Tim Osmond, who is the founding artistic director. And um, so you know culture. Uh, and art, the arts, and 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 acoustic music, folk music in particular, uh, have been the, the driving force of his work, and with an undercurrent of trying to make the world a, a much better place and a more fun place to live in. So you you have memories that go back almost to the beginning of the festival, and uh, good times shared with everyone in your home, for example. One of those things I miss about Mitch is his laugh. You couldn't go along without a good laugh with Mitch. Maybe you want to comment on that. <laughs> That's the thing. What was his was yours, you know. And when he invited someone into our house, um, they were family, you know. And he would treat you like family. And he would any excuse to to roll out the red carpet and and make it a happening. Um, you know, he would he would always jump on it and. He loved the different people that made up the scene and their quirks and their quirks and things that would get on anybody else's nerves wouldn't get on his nerves, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and, and he would, you know, musicians stayed with us sometimes for months at a time and, and years even um, because, because he saw it as part of it, the role of, of doing this. It wasn't just putting on the show. It wasn't, it wasn't just, um, you know, uh, trying to make a, a big happening either. It was, it was really to lift up the artist. And sometimes lifting up an artist was giving them a place to stay for a month, uh, without having to pay rent or, or sometimes it, it was, you know, paying for their record or, 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 or something or some, you know, um, and and that that came back to him in a lot of ways too from from artists, you know it wasn't a one way street, you know he also was lifted up by many fabulous artists and uh, and all along the way too from the very beginning there were ups and there were downs and you know he definitely there were a few people uh, that he leaned on that that were that had his back um, that that he was grateful to. Stan Rogers. Your dad's relationship, so much to choose from. From the well, that that one, yeah, his relationship with Stan immediately comes to mind. Um, you know, they were they were partners. You know, Stan used to play the folk festival, and then you know, maybe six weeks later, send my my dad a document. You know, it'd be six pages long. It would be a, a detailed, you know, what uh, reckoning, <laughs> according to Stan, of the Winnipeg Folk Festival of how it went and what worked and, and what didn't. And, um, you know, that they were, they were brothers, you know, um, and, and, and Stan, you know, uh, yeah, he had my dad's back when, when things, you know, they tried a thing in, in 1980, the Toronto folk festival and, you know, it rained for a whole week before it. It was the first time ever festival. And, you know, just all the stars did not line up. 
and it was a cloudy day and they lost a whole pile of money. And my old man was still pretty young and, and, and Stan, Stan had his back and, 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 and defended him uh, with the other artists, you know, who, who weren't as close and, uh, and took care, took care of my dad. And, and so, um, you know, they, that was a, a real bond that, that, that actually can happen because the truth of the matter is, is that if you're, if you're whatever side of the, the, the monitors you're on, you know, if you're on the stage or if you're, if you're, if you're busting it to make the show happen, it, it really is a, a partnership, you know, having come off 25 years of touring and now, uh, stepping into a nonprofit arts organization. I, I truly see um, that the, the struggles and the trials and tribulations are actually very similar for small organizations and for independent artists. And, and a lot of it's the same stuff, you know, trying to get publicity, trying to sell tickets, trying to make sure that the thing is known, trying to make sure you can pay the staff or the band, trying to make sure you can put gas in the car or, you know, pay the rent to the, to the, the, the establishment, whatever, you know, and it's all for the music. And so um, there are some people who, who do it and the way it comes out is that uh, they play, but other people support the artists by putting everything they have on the line <laughs> to, to put up a stage for the artists, you know? Um, and that's how most of the scene works, you know, obviously, um, you know, folk music has gotten more popular and there's a commercial aspect to it now more so than there was before and um there there is a there are outlets that are that are very big stages but for the general population of folk musicians um i i would say that it's pretty pretty standard for for most most people to be very appreciative of 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 the help that they can get ah for just one time I would take the Northwest Passage To find the hand of Franklin Reaching for the Beaufort Sea Tracing one warm light Through a land so wide and savage And make a Northwest Passage to the sea Westward from the Davis Strait is there, t'was said to lie, the sea route to the Orient for which so many died. Seeking gold and glory, leaving weathered broken bones, and a long forgotten lonely cairn of stones. Ah, for just one time I would take the Northwest Passage To find the hand of Franklin Reaching for the Beaufort Sea Tracing one warm line Through a land so wide and savage and make a northwest passage to the sea. Three centuries thereafter, I take passage overland, 
In the footsteps of brave counsel, where his sea of flowers began, watching cities rise before me, then behind me sink again. This tardiest explorer driving hard across the plain, ah, for just one time. I would take the Northwest Passage To find the hand of Franklin Reaching for the Beaufort Sea Tracing one warm line Through a land so wide and savage And make a Northwest Passage to the sea And through the night behind the wheel, the mileage clicking west, I think upon Mackenzie, David Thompson, and the rest, who cracked the mountain ramparts and did show a path for me to race the roaring Fraser to the sea. Ah, for just one time I would take the Northwest Passage To find the hand of Franklin Reaching for the Beaufort Sea Tracing one warm line Through a land so wide and savage And make a northwest passage to the sea. How then am I so different from the first men through this way? Like them, I left a settled life. I threw it all away to seek a northwest passage at the call of many men. To find there but the road back home again Ah, for just one time I would take the Northwest Passage To find the hand of Franklin Reaching for the Beaufort Sea Tracing one warm line Through a land so wide and savage And make a northwest passage to the sea Talk to 
here I go once again with my suitcase in my hand. I'm running away down River Road, and I swear once again that I'm never coming home in my dreams. I still run. You're listening to Planet Mainstage on 101.5 UM-FM. We're doing a look back on the life and legacy of Mitch Podolik, founder of the Winnipeg Folk Festival, on the first anniversary of his passing. We have Leonard Podolik, his son, to talk to, and besides reminiscing and reminders about his contributions in life, we are fitting in some music from the early festivals. We just heard Canada's other national anthem, the Northwest Passage by Stan Rogers, and Kathy Fink and Duck Donald with Tennessee Choo Choo, and from the first festival, Sylvia Tyson with River Road. Back to our Zoom-enabled interview with Leonard, done last Wednesday, August the 26th. There's so many examples of of mind-opening, expanding the musical palette of Manitobans and Canadians that Mitch did right right from the word go. You know, I think of, I think of of like, Roosevelt Sykes and Sam Chapman and uh, the blues people that, you know, wow, they've never seen that before in Winnipeg very yeah. much, you know. And, yeah. and, uh, and then, you know, looking at traditional music and the bluegrass music that he was, uh, you know, so fond of and wanted to turn people on to more, you know, like, like the New Lost City Ramblers and, that, and all that traditional stuff that you so much love and have followed in your life. But I remember you telling me a story about Utah Phillips. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, the house, there was like a, a revolving door of, of who's who in the, in the folk music business. And, uh, you know, J- you know, John Hammond Jr. Stayed with us a whole bunch of times and had Utah Phillips and, you know, John Allen Cameron and Stan Rogers and, you know, all these folks. And, but Utah, one time he, he stayed at our house and it was already, it would have been the West End years because I was, um, I was working in a, in a restaurant and I was, uh, I was a dishwasher and I was sort of bemoaning my lot, <laughs> you know, uh, complaining about the bosses and, you know, how I do a very, very important job at the, at the restaurant, getting the dishes and all the pots, you know, in and out really quickly and sweating like the dish pig that I was and, and, and he said, you know, you know, Leonard, you work in a restaurant, eh? And I said, yeah, Utah. Yeah. Well, you know how to get your boss. And I went, what? He says, yeah. You want to get your boss in the restaurant where you work? And I was like, well, sure. <laughs> what do you got? And he reached into his pocket and uh, he pulled out a rubber, rubber cockroach. <laughs> 
and and he handed it to me and he said put that in a salad that's how you get your boss if you work in a restaurant (laughs) (laughs) i I never forget that as long as i live and the next time i saw utah and because because you know he probably had something else in his other pocket for for someone who works you know, at a construction site or, or, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? But, but I, I was like, I bet you, I bet you when I see Utah next, he will have another rubber cockroach in his pocket for the same situation. And sure enough, when I saw him at the Winnipeg Folk Festival, the following couple of years sometime, I said, Hey, just out of curiosity, do you have a rubber cockroach in your pocket? And he goes, let me see. <laughs> he reached into his pocket. He's like, why? Yes, I do. <laughs> And, and you know, that's what my old man loved about musicians and about artists was, was the life that they led and the stories that they told and, and what brought them to the music and what brought them to, perform, to performing. Um, you know, I think now with the technology that exists and with the culture that's developed, I think a lot, a lot of young people get into the music because the music is really great and now they have access to it. But I think it was, you know, in the, in the, in the past generations, it was a little bit more organic and um, sort of more fluky mm-hmm. that you came to the, the music or that you were, you were either that or you were born into it. Yeah. And, and so I think one of the things that my dad really, really loved was the, the human aspect like anthropologically, you know, what, you know, what created this music. And and as it turned out, he found out, and we all found out that, you know, many of these traditions from, you know, the date started in Africa or in, or in Europe um, or, or wherever in the world, really, all cultures have equivalent traditions. They have traditional art, traditional music, traditional dance, there's not a culture in the world that I can think of that doesn't have that. And, um, you know, that the stories and the way the oral traditions, the way that these stories and songs and tunes get, you know, carry forward is just by being passed down from generation to generation. And he saw what creates the music as the same things that creates the world and, and the, the, the toils and the struggles that we all go through uh, comes through so beautifully in in traditional music and folk music. And that's what he wanted to to highlight was that these people come from amazing rich cultures that are unique and diverse and really celebrate humanity in a way that um, we kind of don't anymore. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the multinational corporations and to the profit for which they stand, one interlocking directorate under no government, indivisible with monopoly and cheap labor for all. Why do your warships sail on my waters? Why do your death bombs fall from my sky? Why do you burn my farm and my town down? I've got an old friend, I've got to know why. 
What makes your ships haul death to my people? Nitro blockbusters, big cannons and guns. Why can't your ship bring food and some clothing? I've got to know, yes, I've got to know why. I've got to know, yes, I've got to know, friend. Hungry lips ask me wherever I go. Comrades and friends all falling around me. I've got to know, yes, I've got to know. What good work did you do? I'd like to ask you to give you my money right out of my hand. I built your big house to hide from my people. Why do you hide so? I've got to know. Why can't we spend more to build homeless shelters? Why are the homeless here anyhow? Fortunes are building on greed and on killing. I've got to know, yes, I've got to know now. I've got to know, yes, I've got to know, friend. Hungry lips ask me wherever I go. Comrades and friends all falling around me. I've got to know, yes, I've got to know. You keep me in jail, you lock me in prison. Your hospital's jammed and your crazy house full. What made your cop hurt my unarmed peace worker? I've got to know, yes, I've got to know why. My friends are dying from AIDS and from cancer. The big money goes where your death missiles fly. Built by good workers, paid by war taxes. I've got to know, yes, I've got to know why. I've got to know, yes, I've got to know, friend. Hungry lips ask me wherever I go. Comrades and friends all falling around me. I've got to know, yes. I've got to know Hi, this is Bob Brosman, and you are listening to The World in Music on Planet Mainstage on 101.5 UMFM. My name is Roosevelt Sykes. They all call me the Honey Dripper. That's my professional name. So I guess I'll attempt to do that recording. That's one of my own tunes. I recorded it, wrote it and recorded it. The original Honey Dripper, the original, that's me. So I'll attempt to do that tune for you, the Honey Dripper. (laughs) 
Down with toes, 
the moon and I danced in the sun I came down from heaven and I danced on earth In Bethlehem I had my birth Dancing wherever you may be I am the Lord of the dancing bee And I lead you all wherever you may be Fisherman for James and John The dance with me and the dance went on We are celebrating Mitch, Memories and Music, with me and Leonard on Planet Mainstage this week. Those were two of the house guests in the early days, John Allen Cameron with Lord of the Dance and John Hammond with Drop Down Mama. It started with one of the great bluesmen, Roosevelt Sykes, the Honey Dripper. And now I'm sure you will agree, a treat. We're going to hear Mitch. I had him on in May 2014, to promote his Pete Seeger show. Well, that was This Land Is Your Land, a gigantic sing-along with Pete Seeger. And uh, now on the line to tell us more about how we can celebrate a sing-along to Pete's music in Winnipeg is Mitch Podolik. Hi, Mitch. Hello, John. How are you? Not too bad. Thanks for doing this. No problem. Happy to do it. So before I ask you to give us a rundown on these events, I, I just wanted to cite an interesting anecdote about you from the web site called Questia. Have you ever heard of that? Nope. Because <laughs> it says, Mitch Fidalik said, Pete Seeger and Leon Trotsky lead to everything in my life, especially the Winnipeg Folk Festival. The creation of the Winnipeg Folk Festival in 74 was Fidalik's first attempt 
to fuse his 10 years of Trotskyist political training with his love for folk music. His intention was to create a Canadian folk festival which would embody the politically resistant nature of the Trotskyist international movement for the purpose of challenging the Canadian liberal capitalist democratic system on a cultural front. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have you heard this funny. before? It's, it's really funny when you, listen, when, you, when you put it like that, of course. Yeah. So, it, it, yeah. Is, it is, John... Uh, um, <laughs> Just let me finish this, because it's okay. interesting. Heavily influenced by the American Communist Party use of folk music, Podolik believed that the folk song and its performance were socially important. The importance, he believed, stemmed from the social cohesion that could be created within festival space. This space, when thoughtfully organized, could have the ability to create meaning. The relationship between the artistic director, the folk singer, the folk song, and the festival audience become intertwined to dialectically create the meaning of the song and the space, simultaneously defining folk music. Do you agree with that premise, though? Oh, boy. It's a really well-put, uh, interesting premise about, yep. about my politics and about what I think. It's damn close. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever been that rigidly... <laughs> Rigid in how I uh, how I approach it. Uh, folk music is working class music, and always has been, always will be. Probably, I guess if you could define the Neanderthals dancing around the fire, banging a stick on a log as music, you could say it's working class. I suppose, right? But uh, but truthfully, it's uh, it's the mu- music of you know I I stand on the shoulders of Pete Seeger. I stand on the shoulders of Woody Guthrie or Jean Quignon and the McGarrigal sisters and all the fine songwriters that have come down through the generations. And uh, I'm part of a, of a community movement, a, a cultural movement, that, that tries to do that. Is it the movement of the left? Most definitely. There are variations on it. I mean, uh, that funny movie that uh, Tim Robbins did, Bob Roberts, that... Remember they had that funny picture they did that Dylan take off with Bob Roberts on the cover said the times are changing back, you know. But generally speaking, folk music is is left wing music because of where its social class origins, you know. And then when you look at the songs, <clears throat> well, there are songs. I once I once asked Pete Seeger, I said, uh, are, are folk it's folk music by its very existence progressive, socially relevant. And he sang me a racist song in the American Army sang in the Philippines in the 1890s. And the answer is most obviously no. It isn't one uh, homogeneous kind of thing because it's made up of thousands of kinds of music, you know? So, <clears throat> yes and no to the answer. Yeah. Well, there's two, two aspects like to it because one is singing communally generally, which people do in churches and things like, you know, you know, sometimes praising something you might yeah. not want to be praising kind of thing. But then there's the, that's a good for the soul, maybe, but then there's the other, which is protest singing. Do we need to separate those two? I guess that's the oh, question. Oh, no, no. You listen, you listen to those old songs, those old gospel songs. Jesus had a walk, that lonesome valley. Jesus had a walk it by himself. Ain't no one here could walk it for him. Jesus had a walk that lonesome valley by himself became... You gotta go and join the union. You gotta join it by yourself. So, mm-hmm. so folk, the political music of Canada, the United States, is pretty much just an extension, musically, culturally, of the experience of people, right? And 
when they're looking for a tune to write a protest song, they reach into folk music. I haven't quite yet had anybody, you know, do Messiah as a protest song. No, it might be kind of fun to try it. You know, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? It's the simplicity of the music, the clearness of the, of the melodies. You know, these things are tools that people can use. Do do people stick together? Yeah. Does the experience of singing together unite people? Absolutely. Look at the American Civil Rights Movement. Look at look at the, what a simple song like "We Shall Overcome." did it united a whole millions of people and it really changed society in some some fundamental way so let's go back you know i heard when pete seeker passed away uh, one of the things that you were quoted saying is that he was a seminal influence in your life and uh so can you say how so again <laughs> well i was a, i come from a long hair classical music family right we we as a family went to the symphony and my pop when he he would sing symphonic music around the house, you know, so we all kind of got into being influenced by that. And the family would go to concerts, and one day, my older sister, Alice, got stood up. Isn't that a terrible thing? And she had two tickets to Pete Seeger, and I was a little brother, and I was 13 years old, and she didn't want to go by herself, so she said, come on with me. And I didn't want to go to concerts. She said, no, 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 this is something different. You're going to like this. And out came Peter Seeger with a banjo and a guitar and a Khalil, a whistle, right? And he played his ass off, and I got caught right up in it. It was a seminal moment in my life. And I know I know hundreds of people who have had exactly the same experience in their life. They ran into Pete Seeger, and it changed their life. It gave people directions culturally, politically, socially, you know, how to look at the world in the 1960s. I learned from Pete Seeger very much, you know, and... Uh, and, you know, ever since, I mean, the guy was the first guy I ever heard the word environment from, you know? <laughs> he was way ahead of his time, pretty much all the way along. So, I mean, he was a pretty remarkable individual. And he sure turned a lot of heads, including mine.
We are celebrating Mitch, Memories and Music, with me and Leonard on Planet Mainstage this week. That was Pete Seeger's Turn, 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 done by Martin Simpson and Jessica Radcliffe. Much more to come, back in a moment. Hi, I'm Steve Dawson, and you're listening to Planet Mainstage on 101.5 UMFM. This is Brent Titkin. We are keeping the spirit of music on the air on 101.5 UMFM. Keep that flame burning.
carpet on my floor. Come along and follow me. We'll go down to Galilee. Green, green, rocky road. Promenading green. Tell me who y'all love. Tell me who y'all. Little Miss Jane, run to the wall. Don't you stumble, don't you fall. Don't you sing, no, don't you shout. Well, when I sing, come running out. Green, green, rocky road, promenading green. Tell me who y'all love. Tell me who y'all. He don't walk, no. He just fly. He don't walk, no. He don't run. Keep on flapping to the sun. Green, green, rocky road, promenading green. Tell me who y'all love. Tell me who y'all love. John here. That was Dave Van Ronk with Green Green, Rocky Road, his signature tune. Dave Van Ronk, Greenwich Village folk singer and bassist for the Coen Brothers movie Inside Llewellyn Davis, and inspiration for Bob Dylan. And just one of so many benchmark artists that Mitch Podolik brought us in the early folk festival days. We are celebrating Mitch again today in Memories and Music, me and Leonard, at the one-year anniversary of his passing. But, 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 before we go on, let's not forget our weekly contest, Name That Riff. Phil and Lisa won last week for identifying the Whalen Jennies, one voice. Name the singer and or song. Here it is. Without... Got it? 
Email me now, planetm at umfm.com. Here it is again. Without. We will make a draw so you will have till the end of the weekend. Email planetm at umfm.com. Back celebrating Mitch Podolik. As you can tell, Leonard loved his dad and any opportunity to talk about him. Do you want to say something about your dad's politics then? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, my dad, uh, my father was a, uh, was an unapologetic communist, communist revolutionary activist. From the time he was 13 years old after he saw his first Pete Seeger concert. Um, and he was a Trotskyist. And, and he believed in the vision of, of Leon Trotsky and, 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 and Lenin, you know, he was heartbroken his entire life about how it wound up, you know, and, and what the discourse is about, uh, about socialism and, and communism in the world, because, it, you know, if you say those words, you know, you automatically go to that place where you're thinking about, you know, authoritarians dressed up in green, marching the army and the tanks and the missiles and, you know, having the, 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 the fences pointed inwards at the people, you know, and, and that is not at all what he believes in, <laughs> you know, he, what he believed in. He, he believed in quite the opposite, actually. You know, he saw that as just another version of, of capitalism and, and, and authoritarian power, um, you know, having, you know, having power over the people um, in that way from a different angle. Whereas under capitalism, you know, you have, you know, choice between A, B and, or maybe A, B and C. And, and, you know, you sure you have the power, you, you make, you can go to work, you can buy stuff, but you know, you just saw the systems as they are as, as another treadmill and, and how labor devalued and, you know, and how inflation works. And, you know, it's just a different, you know, it's sort of, he saw the, the capitalist system as a, as a disguise for, for authoritarianism, you know, just in a different way. You know, there aren't people pointing guns at your head, but there you are working your ass off all day long, every day. And, and for, and, you know, for somebody else. And he truly believed that, that the society was run with the, with the hands and the work of the people. And that that's where the power should lay is the people. And so he, he thinks he raised me to believe <laughs> that, that, you know, our current system is just morally bankrupt and completely backwards. And, and, and I guess some folks would call that indoctrination. And, and I've had my, my opportunity in life to rebel and to, you know, to see the world for myself. Um, definitely, uh, musically and culturally. But, but I have to say when it comes to that, I, I, I totally agree. I miss my old man tonight And I wish he was here with me With his corny jokes And his cheap cigars He could look you in the eye 
and sell you a car. That's not an easy thing to do. But no one ever knew a more charming creature on this earth than my old man. He was a pilot in the big war in the U.S. Army Air Corps in a C-47 with a heavy load full of combat cargo for the Burma Road and after they dropped the bomb he came home and married mom not long after that he was my old man and all oh, the fights we had when my brother and I got him mad he'd get all boiled up and he'd start to shout and I knew what was coming so I tuned him out and now the old man's gone and I give all I own to hear what he said when I wasn't listening to my Old man I miss the old man tonight I can almost see his face He was always trying to watch his weight And his heart only made it to 58 and for the first time since he died Late last night I cried I wondered when I was gonna do that For my old man Bring me down 
you thought I'd buy and beg you for the end. But at that very time, my lovers gathered round. They helped me rise to fight you one more time. Oh, devil fear. You with your hands Oh devil fear you like to freeze me cold when I'm afraid My lovers gather round They help me rise to fight you one more time Old devil hate This is Eliza Carthy. I hope you're enjoying the musical diversity of 101.5 UMFM.
The first concert I went to, put on by Mitch, was at the Winnipeg Art Gallery with that group, Dedanon, powerhouse Irish group. I'd never heard that kind of power before, and I was in love. Wow. Before that, Wisconsin's Claudia Schmidt with Old Devil Time, and the iconic Steve Goodman with My Old Man. Now, more from Leonard on today's situation in the world and how he thought his dad would see it. You know, we're, we're in a situation now where you can make up some weird reality and sweep reality and history under the rug. You know, there's, there's no responsibility among the people in charge and with the power uh, to serve the people. And that was something that my dad was really upset about. And he truly thought at one point in time there was... <laughs> people would rise up. And right now, I think he would be very upset because he was never some kind of conspiracy theorist, but he would be very upset at the at the momentum governments are trying to nurture out of such a terrible situation we're all in and, and using this virus as an opportunity to put themselves forward and their own people first and not actually take care of the citizenry. And there are a handful of examples around the world where it's quite the opposite, you know, where the, where the governments and the leaders have really stepped up and, and said, you know what, okay, this doesn't mean anything. Our economy is going to be moot if we're all dead. Whereas, whereas in other countries, they just seem to be taking the opportunity to, to call the herd. You know, this would be very, very, very upsetting to my dad right now. He'd be excited by the, the, the way it's invigorated the left, but he'd also be very upset about the way it's invigorated the right. And I was thinking about this today, actually. When I told him that I didn't, you know, I was, after 12 years of going to pu- public school, you know, standing up for O Canada was starting to really grate on me. And, and then I, you know, he's like, yeah, well, don't stand anymore. You know what I mean? Why do you have to stand? Just because they, they tell you to stand. Like, yeah, because I don't feel proud to be Canadian. I feel lucky to be Canadian. There's a difference. You feel proud of your accomplishments and the accomplishments of those you respect. You know, but my dad was always very weary about flag waving. And he said nationalism is dangerous because every single time in history, it starts with nationalism and flag waving, and it winds up in fascism and death. You know, and to a lot of people in the United States, especially right now, death has already happened. You know, death is happening. They're fighting in the streets, you know, and the discourse is that, or not the discourse, even the reality is that here we are, uh, Nazis fighting African-Americans, and they actually are out as white supremacists and, and consider it to be legitimate instead of fringe and dangerous and and criminal. So I guess my dad's politics are sort of ingrained in me too. And I still, (laughs) I have a hard time. I want to be on Facebook yelling at people all the time. And I'm now the executive director of an organization. So I, I can't do that so much. Um, And I also, you know, but, but the fact is, is that, uh, you know, my dad believed that there are truly enough resources to put food on the table and a roof over the head of every citizen in the world. And, and that 
there will be a reckoning one day. If you'll gather round me, children, this story I will tell about pretty boy Floyd and outlaw. Oklahoma knew him well. It was in the town of Shawnee. It was Saturday afternoon. His wife beside him in his wagon. As in the town they rode. Well, the deputy sheriff approached him in a manner rather rude, using vulgar words and language. And his wife, she overheard. But he boy grabbed the long tail, and the deputy grabbed his gun, and in the fight that followed, he laid that deputy down.
Take from the Rich and Give to the Poor, Pretty Boy Floyd by Leonard and the Ducks, and Ramblin' Jack Elliott from Folk Festival Beginnings. Leonard and the whole Home Roots team gets a big cheer for what they have accomplished this year. Well, you've done a yeoman's job in keeping things going with Home Roots and Cranky Fest. That won't happen again this year. Yes, yes. so this year the the Cranky Festival uh, will be an online production. It will be much simpler (laughs) in some ways. You know, it's still going to, it's going to celebrate the connection of, of, you know, the crankies are still going to be the theme and celebrate the connection of visual art and storytelling and music. Um, and we are going to, you know, uh, showcase some, some new works and new product and new music. The second annual Cranky Festival honoring Mitch was held last November. Planet Mainstage was happy to partner up with the festival and Jackson Hall Lane and the D-Rangers to tape the old-time radio hour. A highlight was Rick Neufeld and Don fiddler Zoof, and an early folk festival favorite song. Mitch always said if I played the, one of his festivals, there was a particular song I couldn't play. Of course, every time I was on stage doing a workshop or on the main stage, I saw Mitch lurking. I break into that song. Somehow I feel he's lurking here today. It's a moody I'm not sad or happy Just living day by day It's a moody Manitoba morning And I like it that way Another moody Manitoba morning Moody Manitoba Morning sung to a totally enthusiastic audience at last year's Cranky Festival by Rick Neufeld, accompanied by Don Zoof, and originally sung at the Early Folk Festival. What's happening with Home Roots Shemaine Chenu today? Here's Leonard as we finish off. As far as Home Roots, we're, we're, we're now almost on the final stages of finishing the development of our, our online ticketed program. You know, when, when COVID hit, we immediately pivoted and, and turned our Facebook page into a platform 
for, for artists to do live stream. And we were just, you know, putting up a link saying support the artists, you know, and, and we've done about 60 or 70 of these shows. Um, but, but now, you know, now it, it seems like this isn't a temporary thing and we're going to be living with COVID for quite a while. So we decided that, well, we have to start to change the, the behavior <laughs> of, of people watching music and that, you know what, this is the new way of watching music right now. And if you want to watch music, um, then you still have the opportunity to go to shows that are private and interactive. Um, and, and you still have the opportunity to buy tickets and support the artists. Yeah. And so, uh, we're going to, we're going to do it for similar ticket prices, uh, because the expenses are actually similar. There's still, there's still, pub, there's still publicity. There's still production. You know, instead of a live sound man, it's a studio engineer. You know, there's the, if we do it on Zoom, there'll be an administrator. You know, there's there's all kinds of aspects. How can people get involved now? How can they find out where where what to do? Where these what, what's going to happen? Yeah, we have a brand new website. It's called well, it's still at www.homeroots. H-O-M-E-R-O-U-T-E-S dot C-A. And uh, there'll be a menu for online shows. And then you can, there'll be a list of the stream shows on, on our socials, as well as the live ticketed shows. And the ticketed shows, you just click on the show. And then you'll be able to click on the link. And, and uh, you'll be able to buy a ticket. And then basically what happens is about an hour before the show starts, you'll get your, your Zoom invitation and, and it will be a secure kind of process and, and you can pay the ticket and you get the ticket and you go to the show and, and it basically is a ticket per household, you know, so you, you can't, you know, we don't expect five people living in one house to, to, to do one ticket, but there'll be an opportunity uh, to, to throw into the kitty if, maybe a little bit more enjoyment if you feel like you're if you feel if you feel like it was worth more than one ticket there'll be a additional ways to support the artist we're going to make it pretty interactive there's going to be a couple of show hosts each time and and you know maybe a little interview section and you know a little hangout time to to meet the artist and 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 buy CDs and let them talk about their merch situation and that's it you know and try to make it interactive and and, and conversational. Um, so and, what, and then, you yeah. know, then we'll be doing shows like streaming stuff. You know, if we have ticketed shows that are, you know, it's more of a band and it's not so much, then maybe we'll stream it on video, but Vimeo. But there's, you know, what's amazing is the sky's the limit. And we're all just at the very beginning of all this and we're all discovering. So it's exciting. The, uh, what, as of August 26th, when we're taping this interview, what is your... Uh, Leonard Podolik opinion on, well, I mean, I think you even are, are trying to engage a little bit with it, the curbside or the kind of any kind of social distancing live concerts. Yeah, well, actually, we're very excited about curbside and we're working with them across the country. Uh, our good friend Rami Mays is the is the the Winnipeg contact and and she's the local producer for curbside concerts. But Homeroots is going to be doing that job across the country. And, and uh, we just, when we first heard about curbside concerts, we were like, why didn't we think of that? <laughs> um, you know, we just went sort of online in our minds. But as it turns out, uh, Matt Masters, uh, we had a common friend and a fellow named Jason Andrich. 
and and Jason uh, got us involved, and and uh, you know, so we're going to be helping them put that together. But yeah, no, it's brilliant because it's it's a it's a model and a sort of template for putting on shows uh, in public spaces, mostly on the boulevard outside of people's front yards, um, without coming onto the property. Uh, you know, creating you know, there's communication so everyone knows how many people are going to be there. And it's sort of usually designed so that, it, you know, people aren't just walking up and everyone in the audience, everyone in the audience and the host and the artist follow a certain protocol, which keeps it completely um, COVID safe. And, and it's, it's for a really reasonable price that, that comes, you know, that's, for something that's special like that, creating a, a, a live musical performance for you and your neighbors is very accessible. You know, it's $300 and, and most of the money goes straight to the artist. So, um, it, it, you know, and then the way the model that's the thing that's unique about this model too, is that it's also designed to create lots of work for artists. So, so artists in town, they'll do three or four shows, a week or a couple shows a day sometimes. And it's like really creating an opportunity for, for artists that sign up to make some, a, a little bit of money in these days where actually there are no gigs. <laughs> well, about a year ago, uh, your dad got very active, uh, I guess uh, a year ago last spring, promote the 100th anniversary of the Winnipeg general strike. And I have, uh, I guess I try and put it in here at the end. Uh, so this the last interview I, I did with him, just some, a few comments from him. And then we're going to end with uh, a few more songs. Musical Friends by Bruce Coburn from way back when, because you need right. friends. And, uh, of course, maybe the Mary Ellen Carter. Yeah. Thank you, Leonard. Um, and uh, we can, it never hurts to keep uh, your dad's memory alive. Uh, my sympathies go out to you still, because I know you miss him greatly. And my love to Ava and uh, the family. And uh, thanks for doing this. Thank you very much, John. Thank you for doing it. And it's always great to be on Planet Mainstage. We can bring to birth a new world from the ashes of the old, for the union makes us strong. Listening to Planet Mainstage. My name is John Prentice. Protest and labor songs have a general renaissance throughout time, and but they all come from a specific history, circumstance, and events which uh, give them their power. And someone who knows and is a great student of this history is my next guest, Mitch Bedalik. Hi, Mitch. How do you do, John? That song was recorded in 1941 by the Almanac Singers. Uh huh. That was a, it's a, a Pete Seeger and Woody Guthrie and Mill Lampel and Sis Cunningham. It was just a, a great group of people who recorded that way back before the U.S. went into the war. And uh, it was an interesting album. It was uh, when it was still okay to be a commie. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're bordering, bordering on it now with, uh, with uh, 
sort of uh, dancing with socialism everywhere, I think, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> it's an interesting time. Well, you know, I felt lucky to attend the uh, Millennium Library event on March 27th. There was a series of them on Wednesdays at noon, and you and uh, Daryl Riley presented labor protest songs. Yeah. It was supposed to be a, a general strike kind of retrospective, highlighting how for the labor and civil rights movements, uh, protest songs that have always galvanized the workers seeking uh, social justice. But uh, the, the lecture kind of turned into a sing-along for all those assembled. <laughs> well, it wasn't much time to really teach. <laughs> 55 minutes to explain the history of the labor movement, and explain who wrote what songs, when and why. Right. And then, so the best way we thought, me and Daryl, was to get people to sing. So that's what we did. It was very much in the spirit of the music, you know. Well, you know, the general strike has been on the horizon for a long time, you know, leading up to now we're here. It's going to pass us by. So I'm hoping there's some resonance after it's over, but it's a hundred year celebration and what what do you hope it achieves well i hope it achieves teaching a whole bunch of young people about our history you know there was a, a 25 sympathetic general strikes that happened in sympathy with the winnipeg strike all across the prairies do you know that the canadian army was trying to go to, to russia to fight the bolsheviks and the workers wouldn't load them hmm. the guys in the boats wouldn't load them the train guys didn't load them there was a great deal of sympathy among the Canadian working class at that time for Bolshevism. You know, a lot of them came from the old country, and here was somebody winning, beating the capitalist class, beating the piss out of them, right? And so a lot of workers went, yeah, a lot of workers all over the world went, yeah, the Russian Revolution is for me, you know, and uh, there was a whole bunch of music that came out then, too. It was really, for me, I'm as much interested in the music Banker and boss hate the red Soviet star. Gladly they build a new throne for the czar. Though in the struggles our martyrs may fall, Trotsky's red army will conquer. Also workers, hold your rank. Keep sharp and steady for freedom's cause. Our bayonets bright the workers' motherland. The Soviet Union is ready for the last fierce fight. Now that was the music of the time as well. You know, it... Uh, Really interesting piece of history. Minneapolis had a general strike in 1934. The f- most famous moment of it was a thing called the Battle of Deputies Run, where the workers put a whole bunch of middle-class jerks who went down to beat up the workers. They put them to run a thousand of them, a thousand special deputies. The capitalist class deputized, and the workers beat the shit out of them. It was a good piece of history, but it's not a lot of history that people know about. Because they try to hide that history. They don't want to say workers won this fight or, you know, like that. So screw them. We win when we win, we lose when we lose, you know? Well, it's like that. From 1919 on, though, that was just more and more um, labor uh, sort of victories, I guess, and, you know, into the 20s and 30s and finally leading. You know, in very many, very many different fronts. You know, well, that sort of thing. You know, the most the most interesting thing, John, is that in 1946, thousands of soldiers who were workers came home from the old country, where they'd been fighting fascism, and their main ally was the Soviet Union. So, in 1946, the American Communist Party 
grew from 5,000 members to 176,000 members, which frightened the living shit out of the the authorities to be. And that's why McCarthyism started, Mm -hmm. because they were afraid. Well, you know, it's certainly looked back as an historical... Uh, victory. People don't realize that actually the strike in 1919 was eventually put down in a very heavy-handed way, but the victory was already there, right? Yep. Um, so many people realizing that they could do this, and uh, you know, like... There's a long way between 1919 and the 1960s when it all <laughs> yeah. started up again, you know, but, but really, you know, there's a lot, like... I, have you ever read the old CCF document, the, the Regina Manifesto? No. Well, it's actually it was really illuminating to me when I read it because if you look at the NDP today, it's a liberal social democratic party. But in the old days, the CCF was not a liberal social democratic party. It was calling for social. No CCF government will ever rest. Now this came right out of 1990. Came out of the attitudes. No social democratic government, CCF government will ever rest. No capitalism has been eliminated. <laughs> That's what they had in the Regina Manifesto. <laughs> so the Regina Manifesto really, in many ways, the follow-up from the strike. You know? Yeah. And uh, I, I kind of love all that stuff. And I like the music, so it's even better. Well, you know, you had to speak about each of the songs briefly that you, before we started singing them on, at that uh, library event, and, uh, you know, Solidarity Forever was there, and it was a, quite a, a good singing group, eh? Oh, it was. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, Joe Hill, um, and you explained all these in all their context, basically. So, um, uh Right now, though, you you uh, probably the biggest involvement you have this month for you is 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 on May twenty fifth, and it's an all day event. Uh, from about one o'clock till six or six thirty. Uh-huh. Yeah. Solidarity Forever, a community concert. You want to just tell us about it? Well, I try to put together. Uh huh. I try to consult everybody as I was doing it because. Yeah. But what we're looking for is the Winnipeg General Strike. It was an act of the working class. And so I decided the thing to do was to hire, for the most part, not entirely, all the political artists I do. You know what it's going to remind people of? It's going to remind people of the folk festival in the old days, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Well, you've got a host, but it's from the old days. Yeah, I went and got Bruce Steele to come and do it, because he's such a pro at it. And we wanted somebody to keep keep track of things. Well, Mitch, you know... Um <laughs> you never, you are a person that's never going to say it's done, it's finished. You're you're so involved, and now you have a new you have a new venture, the radio show, which we're going to have to mention here for sure, which people can get to easily, right? Just On, by going to the going to the home roots uh, website, there's uh, there's a, a connector there. Going yeah. to uh, a Sp- a Spotify, we're there. Uh, but we've now put out 16 shows. But it's free, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just it's a radio show on a website. That's yeah. all. Yeah. And uh, we've put out 16 so far, and we're real happy with it. And we're starting a second series. Uh, the second series is going to be called Folk Festival. And it's going to be historical workshops from the Canadian festivals. Winnipeg, Mariposa, Vancouver. It was very contemporary, though, too. Oh, it's going to be a mixture of all of that. Yeah, because you've had guests on that are 
up-and-comers like Alison DeGroote with her new well, album. and The radio show, yeah? the current radio show, yeah. the Wednesday Night Folk Show, yeah. is trying to reach, in some ways, the whole spectrum of what is folk music, yeah. and which is huge, you know. I think it'll take us 40, maybe 50 years to, <laughs> <laughs> to cover it just during an hour every Wednesday night. You know, I know it's a huge body of work. It's and great. It's a lot of fun. Just click it on any old time. Yeah, you can do it 24 hours a day. And, uh, well, we're going to finish off with um, We Shall Overcome. What can you tell us about that song? Well, uh, Pete Seeger and yeah. Ruth Horton yeah. and Guy Carawan sat down one day and started playing with this old gospel song. And uh, it became We Shall Overcome. They essentially wrote it, the three of them. And it became the song of the whole civil rights movement. You know, there's yeah. a couple folk singers arming a whole movement with a with a, a anthem. Wow. <laughs> That's kind of freaky in its own way. Kind of neat. Mitch, thank you for doing this. And oh, you're welcome, John. Be well. Have a good time. I'll see you at the show. Yeah. We shall overcome We shall
Went down last October in a pouring, driving rain. The skipper he'd been drinking and the mate he felt no pain. Too close to Three Mile Rock and she was dealt her mortal blow. And the Mary Ellen Carter settled low. There was just us five aboard her when she finally was awash. We'd worked like hell to save her, all heedless of the cost. And the groan she gave as she went down It caused us to proclaim That the Mary Ellen Carter would rise again Well, the owners rode her off Not a nickel would this man She gave twenty years of service Boys that met her sorry end But insurance paid the loss to us So let her rest below then they laughed at us and said we had to go But we talked of her all winter, some days around the clock She's worth a quarter million afloat and at the dock And with every jar that hit the bar we swore we would remain And make the Mary Ellen Carter rise again Rise again, rise again Let her name not be lost to the Now we've been with her on a barge lent by a friend Three dives a day in a hard hat suit and twice I've had the bends Thank God it's only sixty feet and the currents here are slow Or I'd never have the strength to go below But we patched her rents, stopped her men's dog patch and portal down Put cables to her fore and aft and girded her around Tomorrow noon we hit the air and Strain and make the Mary Ellen Carter rise again, rise again, rise again. Let her name not be lost to the knowledge of men. All those who loved her best and were with her till the end will make the Mary Ellen Carter rise again. There, you see, to crumble into scale She'd saved our lives so many times Living through the gale And the laughing drunken rats Who left her to a sorry grave They won't be laughing in another day And you to whom adversity Has dealt the final blow With smiling bastards lying to you Everywhere you go Turn to and put out all your strength of arm and heart and brain And like the Mary Ellen Carter, rise again Rise again, rise again
again Though your heart be broken on life about to end No matter what you've lost, be it a home, a love, a friend Like the Mary Ellen Carter, rise again Rise again, rise again Though your heart it be broken or life about to end No matter what you've lost, be it a home, a love, a friend Like the Mary Ellen Carter, rise again